This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, it's David Marsden from the Evening Standard here. If you subscribe to the leader, You'll get our news analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. And you can talk to us too. Just use the hashtag The Leader Podcast on social media. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Just going to be spitting your arm, OK? OK. Relax your arm for me. It was nurse May Parsons who delivered the UK's first coronavirus vaccine at University Hospital in Coventry. Its recipient, 90-year-old Margaret Keenan, who had no concerns at all. I would say go for it. Go for it because it's, it's free and it's the best thing that's ever happened. If I can do it, well, so can you. And eventually we all can. Now begins an enormous operation to roll out the vaccine across the United Kingdom. But today it's about V-Day, as the health secretary dubbed it, the moment we turned a corner in the battle against COVID-19. It doesn't come a moment too soon, with cases appearing to be rising in London. Our health editor, Ross Lydell's with me. Ross, you've been speaking to some of the first recipients of the vaccine in London. Did you feel there was a sense of relief among them. Yes, and quite an emotional one, I think, was the first emotion that these people expressed. I spoke first to a care worker who was the very first person to get the jab at St. George's Hospital in Tooting this morning. Uh, this lady called Tharmini is a 60-year-old woman who works in a care home in Chessington. I spoke to her very soon afterwards and she said she was feeling good uh, and basically said she was most grateful and thought that she must have the, the jab. And essentially, the reason is that she wants to be able to work fearlessly, she said, in the care home and to be sure that she's not carrying any virus. And also had the chance to speak to a fantastic midwife, consultant midwife called Arizu, who is in charge of administering the jabs. And uh, she's sort of taken a two week break from her normal job helping to deliver babies. And she's running the vaccine clinic at St. George's. She basically said, yeah, it really was quite emotional. I had Tears in my eyes, she said. I was really emotional thinking this is the era of saving lots of lives and we've got to get something to save us. So um, she probably said as much as anything in terms of describing the significance of today. I get the feeling that uh, there might have been quite a few tears across the country this morning. We saw Matt Hancock, the health secretary, crying on television when he was asked about the vaccines. It's like there's a new sense of optimism in the country, isn't there? Yes, I, I was not entirely sure whether Matt Hancock was 
somewhere between crying and laughing. We obviously know of his own personal tragedy. I think his father-in-law, stepfather-in-law died recently. So he's been, uh, as well as being so exhaustedly uh, working on this as the health secretary, he's, he's had to cope with family tragedy too. And I think it was, uh, he just heard the words of William Shakespeare, the second uh, patient in the country to receive the vaccine. And I think William or Bill Shakespeare had put rather nicely what this meant. And, and Matt Hancock was reacting to that on the live um, interview you did with uh, Breakfast Telly this morning you're referring to. It's not over for Matt Hancock or the NHS yet, though, because now begins, I suppose, this massive, almost unprecedented rollout of this vaccination. It's going to take a really long time to get across the country and to have an effect. Yes. Now, the NHS is saying that, well, it does do routine vaccines all the time, but it will have to do essentially three times more people with the COVID vaccine than it normally does for the flu vaccine. And it's quite clear two things today. One was that the government is still very hopeful that the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine will be approved in the next week or two because that will be much easier to distribute. That um, We thought at first we would have 10 million of the Pfizer jabs by the end of the year. Now Matt Han Hancock is only saying it will be several million because they're really dependent on the production on the factory in Belgium. It's not... It's not as easy as making yogurt, as Jonathan Van Tam might have said. It's much more tricky and uh, it can vary day to day. And the priority, obviously, is the older people, those who are much more at risk of dying from COVID than young bucks like you and I, David. Very young bucks like you and I, Ross. Um, if there was any kind of stark indication of how important this vaccine is, though, you can kind of see that in the figures, the infection rate figures for London today, because they're starting to go back up again, aren't they? Yes, actually, we've got a bit of a double whammy of bad news, both the infection rate figures in London and also the latest death figures from the Office for National Statistics. In 21 of the 33 boroughs, there has been an increase, which is not what we wanted. This is not going according to plan. And the concern here is that if this trend continues, then London could be in some danger of moving into tier three by next Wednesday when all the, the various tiers across the country are due to be reassessed. The other thing is in terms of deaths. Today, we had the Office for National Statistics show that there were 190 COVID deaths in London in the most recent week. That's up from 160 the week before. And percentage-wise, London, London is rising faster than the rest of the country again. Uh, so in terms of deaths, they, they always lag behind cases. It's probably the biggest concern is that cases are rising and that's before we all decide to um, forget the rules for a few days over Christmas and uh, have a bit of a, an ease up, which of course presents its own huge dangers for next year and in particular what that might mean for our hospitals. There's more on this story in the newspaper and at standard.co.uk. Now... Here's some trivia for your Christmas dinner. People have been kissing under mistletoe since the 1720s and no one knows why. There's a suggestion, it's all based on a Norse legend, but some academics think, and this is true, that it was all made up by an inventive young man whose name has been lost to time. Regardless, from Charles Dickens' The Pickwick Papers to Harry Potter, the tradition has carried on until, it seems, 2020. The mistletoe trade has collapsed. The Evening Standard's Rob Dex is with me. Rob, is this another victim of coronavirus? 
it seems to be very much it, and, and it's um, collapsed at both ends, as it were, as well, um, in that the, the people I've spoken to normally buy it in a very traditional way. There is an auction, everyone huddles together, everyone bids for it, everyone physically picks it up and puts it in the back of the van and drives off with it. And you can't do that with social distancing. So they actually can't buy it the way they used to. And they, what they would then do is sort it and sell it to florists, to individual families, whatever. Um, and obviously that has just collapsed as well, because sadly, as most people, I think, guess, nobody's kissing under the mistletoe this year. And it's not a trivial thing, is it, Rob? It's actually quite a big business for the mistletoe traders. They're selling loads of the stuff every Christmas. I mean, the, the, the guy I spoke to basically was part of a family firm based up in Suffolk, where, where a, lot, a lot of it grows. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'd easily shift 400 kilos a year, which you think they're probably only doing that in December, in a couple of weeks in December. Um, that's a massive business. And it's also, of course, the great benefit is it's basically a parasite that grows in orchards. So if you, are, if you have orchards and you sell your apples and you, whatever you do, you make cider, you some supermarkets, who knows, you get this extra added bonus, of this rather nice plant that grows like crazy over your trees. You can cut down every year and sell in December. And it's just gone, just like that. Um, you know, another of these sort of unforeseen victims of coronavirus. So what are people going to do if they can't kiss under the mistletoe? I, I, I did see this. There was a, a mistletoe expert who suggested that people just elbow bump under the mistletoe or air kiss under the mistletoe, which doesn't quite have the same ring to it um, and doesn't have the same sort of festive after too much mulled wine kind of attraction to it that um, Kissing of the Mistletoe has. So I, I'll be intrigued. I mean, hopefully it's one of those things that next year it, it will come back again. Um, but there we'll just have to see. I'll be intrigued to see what um, interesting ideas people come up with. We have all the news, analysis and commentary you need in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. Follow our live blog for breaking news. That's the Leader Podcast. We're back tomorrow. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.